They told me for years there was no money in podcasting. Well, they were all wrong. This is an ambiguous podcast solutions original podcast. A podcast years in the making. Centered around You're listening to Talking with Tarasha with your host and founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Join Will and his guests as they talk about anything and everything under the sun. Now, without further ado, let's do this. Yes, I know I have gray hair. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Talking with Tarashuk. I am your host, Will Tarashuk, the founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. You're probably used to hearing my voice on the Ambiguous Podcast Solution, where I talk to podcasters. Well, this is my other venture, where I talk to anyone who doesn't have a podcast who I find interesting. And today, I am joined by Andrew Davis from the Pop Anime Comics, I guess, brand. It's it's a website and podcast dedicated to bringing you articles and interviews about pop culture focusing on anime, comics, and professional wrestling. Now, Normally, we would talk about the podcast, but when he reached out to me, he wanted to talk about alternative investing, so that perked my ears. I am very excited. Andrew, welcome to the show. I am very happy to have you. Yeah, no, I am super excited to be here, and anytime I get to talk about money, it's always fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I so f- full disclosure, like my day-to-day job, I do, I work at NASDAQ, um, 9 to 5, I make creative content all day long, just live content for their YouTube channel going live. And I just hear this all day, all day, all day. Um, so this is just, I guess, right up my wheelhouse. But I still have so many questions because, you know, I don't come from a financial background. Really, I work in finance. I started my first job was a, um, a finance, like, tech startup being production. So I've, like, always had this lane of finance. But, like, I still don't know so much about it. So introduce up to everybody and how you got into finance. And, yeah, so you in the financial world, what you got? So it's so weird because I used to work in government and I used to work in the House of (laughs) uh, Representatives in the Appropriations Committee. Okay. So I was dealing with government money, making policy recommendations for billions of dollars on policy, different things and appropriating money. And so that's where I used to work. And then prior to all that, I've always just been interested in regular investing. And I, it, before anybody, and, and obviously we're going to talk about alternative investing, I can get to it, um, but I am also a traditional investor, which is stocks, bonds, and things like that. And what wound up happening is I was a comic book collector, and I started really in college, and then all of a sudden you're buying books, and you need beer money, mm-hmm. and you need to buy the next month, and you picked up a book for $20, and then fast forward three years later, you know, the book's worth 120 bucks, and you're like, what is this? And then you sell it. eBay takes their cut. You have like a hundred bucks left. And you're like, I have more than just beer money now. And then you start saying, okay, I need more money two months later. And then you do it again. And then three, four times you say, there's a pattern here that there's four or five books in my collection that are worth money. And then you start diving through your collection and you're saying, oh man, I'm sitting on a gold mine. And then you start spotting trends and you start saying, oh, I know what books I'm going to pick up here. I know what I'm going to pick up there. And then you slowly get it in turning into a business. And so accidentally, I just needed some cash and I just happened to have assets. And then you spot a trend. 
And that was never my intention being into comic books and anything with collecting. I would occasionally flip like a Pokemon card, but then fast forward four or five times, you're like, man, there's something here. And then you start doing deep dives and then you start getting deeper and deeper into it. And that's kind of how I fell into it. But I have no financial background. Um, Even before that, I really was a little bit in the stock market and I got a lot more into it just recently in the last five years out of college when I started having money. And it's just weird because now I'm heavily invested in comics. I'm heavily invested in Pop Funkos. I got some Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. I got some baseball cards. And yeah, I got a little bit of crypto. And I'm also very much traditional. And it's so interesting because I view it almost like a store of value and an increase in value. So I, I guess just more specifically, how do you define, like what is the actual definition of alternative investing? So... I'll define traditional investing first answer because traditional investing is anything in a bank. So you have a CD, you have a savings account, a checking account, you're in bonds, you know, those are more traditional investing. Also real estate to some degree, because I find what really is, I guess, traditional investing is there's regulations. So in the banking industry, I think you put 250,000 in one bank and it's federally insured, you know, in CDs, that money is federally insured in the stock market. Anything could happen. A company can go to zero, but there's regulations in there. And there's also recourse by the United States government and other entities to ensure protections. And even in real estate, you might not be able to invest in certain real estate deals. If you are not what is known as an institutional investor, or if you aren't an institutional investor, you know, you might get less of a rate or there might be a higher requirement or a lower requirement. I'm not exactly sure. So don't call me on that. And so I view all of that as traditional. I view where alternative investing is something that's not in that position. There's no regulations in it. There's no insurances in it. So things like artwork, it tends to be alternative investing, investing in comic books, investing in pop funkos, uh, possibly investing in cryptocurrency. So if you're right now investing in crypto video games and you're buying a gala node for lack of a better word, and I, I don't mean to single them out and this isn't an attack, that's a big alternative investment versing you know basketball cards things like that if you're investing in cars because there is no insurance on that and that could go straight to zero or could go all the way up to the moon for lack of a better position so that's how i view alternative investing and you're also looking for a greater return in a more high risk position where it's more of the wild west and so that's my definition and i know it's not such a clean definition but that's where the difference is, is that one of them has 90% regulation. The other has zero to 5% regulation. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like investing on the underground. In, yeah. In a way. Except- or it's just, it's more of like you're, you're trading physical things or even in some case, digital things with NFTs and cryptos, as opposed to investing in a company for like the promise of money later. Cause when you buy, when you buy a stock, you're not really buying money. You're buying the promise of money. Yeah, yeah, it, it's that. And so what, what you're really doing in an alternative investment is that you're placing and hoping that the item you bought grows and that, that, that it goes up or, you know, sometimes this stuff does produce dividends. You know, you could stake your cryptocurrency, for instance, and that produces more of what you have. Right. But it's, it's the idea that there's no insurance on that and that you're viewing it more when you, it's been particular, it's easier with items, you know, I'll show this. This is a pop Funko. Oh, and Spider-Man. 
it's it's carnage, carnage? for venom too okay. for venom too all right that's so, coming out this weekend i believe yeah no it's, it's gonna be super exciting i'm going actually this weekend to see it and i'm hoping it's good but i expect this when i bought it it's 15 dollars I put $15 down and I expected it to go up in value. Mm. And so I'm viewing the growth on this is in the item itself and the rarity of this item versus when I buy a stock like AT&T, I'm buying AT&T knowing AT&T is a company and they own a bunch of assets and that they're going to be producing a revenue and that should be reflected in the stock. Or conversely, if they miss their revenue, that's going to be reflected and they also have dividends. And that's kind of how I view it. And then also what I do in my alternative investing is that I actually have an exit strategy. So when I sell that item and I'm looking at selling it for 60 bucks, you know, I pay myself back first and then I take half of it and I put it into more of a traditional vehicle, like a dividend stock. And then I take the other half and put it into new items. And so it's growing slowly because at some point, and that's the other thing that people don't understand about alternative investing is that it will fall down. It goes through wanes. It has good years. It has bad years. Very very volatile. Very volatile. I understand to take money off the table and put it, and I'm in traditional investing. I'm in alternative investing and I view alternative investing very much as an engine to produce wealth for me. Okay. So is, is alternative investing, I guess specifically with comic books, is this a relatively new thing or has this been around? Cause I always, I, 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 for one, like when I, when I was a kid, um, I kept all my Pokemon cards. I still have them at home just in case. Um, I still have all my Yu-Gi-Oh cards. My dad has a bunch of baseball cards. So I guess that's a form of alternative investing. When it comes to comic books, specifically even Funko Pops, that's relatively new. So I guess are you kind of taking a relatively new subject but turning it into something that's been around forever in terms of alternative investing? So I think the the investing side and the financialization of it is new in the last 20 years where comic book collecting has always been around, but it's now really gotten a hell of a lot bigger. And part of the reason why is that there's a company called CGC and CGC and I actually have a CGC to, to show because what they do is that they assign an objective grade to mm-hmm. a book. And so what they do is that this is a 9.8. And so there's a 9.9 and a 10. This is the third highest grade. It's one of the best grades because to get a 9.9 or a 10 is nearly impossible. Uh, this one happens to also be autographed. And this company is about I think 21 years old. And so they've created an entire business where they provide an objective grade so that when I sell this, so if I was to sell this to you, there's no question that this is a 9.8. And so what I think has happened is that in the last 20 years or so, this company has grown and they were just acquired by Blackstone for over $250 million to buy a 51% majority stake in them. Um, And what's happened is that once you start going into this and grading and providing subjective versus not, not, not subjective, objective terms to things, that's when things get financialized and all these people have all these books and then people say, Oh, I want, you know, this book and I want it graded. And then there's a value to it. So there's always been auctions for comics, but once CGC came on and then CBCS came later and then a few other grading companies, it now became a much bigger business. And then also, I think people have been very disillusioned with the entire financial market and the stock market. And 
they, they, they're not thrilled and they feel like they can't get ahead, but they feel that, you know, if I buy this book and this isn't a valuable book, but this is a raw comic book. If they buy this for $4, maybe in 10 years, it'll be worth 40 and they buy a bunch of this, they could do better than they would do in the stock market. And I think that's also that as well, where people are viewing it, this as the new American dream. Right. And I think people, I think the little guy says, look, I can't beat, you know, the Wall Street bets traders, or I can't beat, you know, a hedge fund and I can't get ahead, but I could go buy a $4 item and maybe it'll 10X itself. And if I keep buying $4 items, and I think that's what's happening. And I think it's been very much sort of that trend but has increased this dramatically. So how, who determines the value? Like say you bought a comic book back in 1994, how like who like and if like for four dollars and now it's worth like five hundred dollars. How does that how does that happen? Who determines it? Obviously the condition, the rarity, but is it like is it just worth five hundred dollars because it's worth five hundred dollars or is it worth five hundred dollars because someone's willing to pay five hundred dollars for it? It can be both. Okay. Where obviously answer, actually. <laughs> everything, everything is worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. You know, I, I think, I think that, that that's the easy, obvious answer. So when I saw on eBay, you know, if an item is worth 500 bucks, but I bought the item for $50, I'm going to sell for 450 because I want to get out of it. And I, if I give up 30 bucks or 50 bucks on it, but I'm making a 400% rate of return, right. I'm not complaining. Right. I'm not going to give it away for 250. So it, it's that, that's sort of what it, it's worth. And then also people say, okay, you know, what is the potential of it? But then there's certain things like if you have, you know, a book that only has 250 copies, that obviously is going to have a value built into it. Also, this book is a $4 book. If this book was $40, that also determines some of the value because it's also what was put in and what can you get it for. So that's the other thing too that also determines value. You know, I bought books that were $50 books that are now worth $300. If that book was a $4 book, it wouldn't be worth $300 and climbed up so fast in about three years just because it's not as valuable, it's not as rare. So print run matters versus saying, you know, if you, this book has been probably printed three, four, 5,000 times. Right. Um, I just happen to like the cover. It's going to be put up on Instagram. It's a fun cover. I like the story. It's a cool story. And I'm reading that book more for story versus, you know, growth. It might be in 10 years worth six bucks, you know, but the, the idea, I think what, what really determines value is what people are going to pay for it and also how rare something is. And then at a certain point, books just become that. And then everybody in the community sort of just consensuous, consensually agrees, okay, this book is worth a minimum of X. And if you get it cheaper than that, you got a great deal. But this is sort of the average because when you're listing a book on eBay or you're at a show, everybody prices similar mm -hmm. to each other. And I think that's kind of where it goes. And then look, sometimes books fall. And look, I mean, Venom 2 is coming out. This Pop Funko is worth more right now because the movie's coming out. You know, I sold, I have two of these. I sold one of them last um, May when the trailer dropped and I got 60 for it. And then this Pop Funko fell down to 35 and now it's back up at 60 because the movie adds a spike to it. So that's the other thing that also affects value is timing and relevance of characters or comic books or what's going on with it as well. Well, it's the same thing as like reading the market, right? Like you have to understand the market and like this, listen to you, I'm drawing parallels to the actual 
a, a traditional investing where they are very very similar. Um, and, and the I like I like that you said I like you bought two of them because I was just thinking while you were talking, it's like okay, like has there ever been something where it's like you've you've had one of something that's one of your favorite things you see it jump up so far you get like a thousand dollars extra for it than you bought it for, but you just can't let it go because it's literally your favorite thing. Like, is it is it hard to kind of get rid of some of your babies, or is this strictly just business to you? So there there there's 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 three piles I have oh, in comics. Lay them on me. Let's go. So there's personal books. Mm-hmm. So so personal books just are not for sale unless you make me a great offer. Right. So I, I have one of my favorite comics and it's one of my favorite experiences. I have two stories. I have a saga one and I have a 9.8 saga one signed by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. I love saga and it's one of my favorite books. That book is a $350 book. I'm not selling it because it's a personal book to me. And then I have another book that I'm a huge Batman Beyond fan. I grew up, I'm 28, and, and I watch Batman Beyond. I love the style. Mm-hmm. And I'm at this con, and the guy who is writing Batman is Dan Jurgens, and it's a blank cover. He's signing. CGC is supposed to witness him signing it, and then CGC fucks up. I don't know if I can curse. I'm nah, sorry. Boy, all good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have asked before I did that. All good, so man. They mess up, and then they come 10 minutes before he's closing shop to sign at a con. He signs, and then he starts drawing on the book because he was speaking the night before at the Library of Congress, and it was in D.C., and I said, hey, maybe you could draw a little stinger on it. For those who don't know, a stinger is a little tiny tattoo that's like a 30-minute banger. And I would just want a little bat when he starts drawing like a head of Batman, and his handler doesn't stop him. And then his handler says, oh, are you going to get Will Friedel? So for those who don't know, and I don't know if you remember Boy Meets World, mm-hmm. Will Friel is Eric Matthews. Mm-hmm. He plays Terry McGinnis in the animation thing. And so now his handler's like, wait right here. His handler of Dan Jurgens brings me backstage with CGC witnessing, and my dad's there too. And then he speaks to the other handler. They stop Will Friedel's line. They co- Will Friedel comes back outside. Me and him are speaking for like three minutes, Will Friedel, and he signs it for free and then writes, I am Batman. It got sent off to CGC, came back as a 9.8, and that's a personal book too. And so that those are personal books, mm-hmm. and you can't sell that because it's like the story. It's it, priceless. It, you, 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 ha- you have personal sentiment towards something like that like you know i never there's certain things i would never sell to like my dad's a huge baseball collector he has a whole uh cabinet like in our living room i guess our man cave back home of just all yankee stuff all baseball stuff and there's some stuff in there i know for a fact he's never gonna get rid of you know as he gets older he's probably gonna part with some things i'm sure but so i totally understand the personal sentiment there's definitely some things but then um, something like this you know, I like this Pop Funko. I've had it for about four years. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's a little painful, but but it's up on Instagram. I could always look at the picture of it. And th- this is where, where it gets fun is that obviously I'm letting it go because, well, I want the money. And I want to, you know, put money and move money around. And it's time to just have some cash for a rainy day also. And then there's there might be a good chance that if this thing falls – in, you know, six months, I might buy it back for 30 bucks and wait for the next time for it to rise up again. And so that's the thing is that understanding that an asset like this will rise and fall. So mm-hmm. I might sell it now high and then buy it back when it's beat up 
and then let it rise back up and hold on to it for another four years. But I also have it up on my Instagram. I could always look at the Instagram picture. And so it's not that painful. But this book, on the other hand, um, I should have showed it this way. I don't know. I don't know how people can see it, but this book, you know, is a really cool book. And at some point I will sell this book. I think, I think, cause, cause obviously it's, it's a Derek Chu and I love Derek Chu's work and this book will be painful to sell, but I'm going to sell it for the right price. Everything mm-hmm. is, can be painful to sell. So if I was to sell that book for 20 bucks, that'd be really painful. If I was to sell that book for 200, when I paid 40 for it, it's a no brainer because that's an amazing rate of return. So gotcha. things become less painful when, when, when they sell for more money. It's the idea that yeah. if somebody offered your dad $10,000 for his favorite card. Gone. You know, it's gone. <laughs> it's, it, gone. It's, it's, it's also <laughs> the fact that I don't know how old you are. I don't know if you have kids, but no. if all of a sudden, if you had kids and he said, hey, I'm going to pay for your kid's college with this baseball card. And now he says, this is my gift to, to you. And that, that this is going into your, you know, son, you know, you just have a son or a daughter. This yep. is my gift. I just sold this card and this is starting off their college fund, you know, and it, that money has 18 years to grow. Yep. You know, it's that, that, that's also another thing that happens sometimes too, where certain things make sense at a certain time. But like my dad has a Jackie Robinson autograph. That thing is never going to be sold. Yeah, never. No, my friend's got Joe DiMaggio. And God damn what I would do for what I would do to get I might get my hands on that. Um, so how how does one actually get into the process of selling things? Like do you just throw it on social like Facebook Marketplace, Instagram, or like are there institutional places for alternative investing? So so th- there's a few things actually. So Anybody can get into alternative investing. So you can go buy something. So you have an item like a Pop Funko or a comic or Pokemon cards, um, and you can go that route. And then you have the item. But we're going to table that for one second. So obviously, I view crypto as alternative investing. So there's all these apps mm-hmm. that you can then go and buy crypto. So I view that. I don't want to call it institutional. But, 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 but it, 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 as far as I think the argument goes, it is very much run really well. Coinbase is one of them. Yep. Kraken is Kraken, another coin. KuCoin, yep. I think, is, is another one. And then there's a bunch of others. Um, and then there's things like, you know, Gala Games and stuff like that. And so, obviously, those are, I don't know if we call those institutional, but, but they are definitely platforms where you can go and get into crypto. Um, you could do other things like Otis. So what Otis does is Otis basically, it's very much like a stock where they will buy a very expensive comic book or art or sneakers for like a million dollars, for instance, and then they break it up into shares and they break it up. So now you own a piece of that book, which is awesome. So they just bought a uh, Hulk 181 for about 40 grand and then you could buy like a hundred dollars share. So you're getting a piece of that book, but you don't, have to own the book you don't have to store the book and it's like it's treated like a stock and it's a very cool concept um if you don't have 40 grand lying around or you don't want to find a 9.8 hulk 181 which is the first appearance of wolverine which which makes sense so that's very much institutional um but then where you get um into all this stuff is that this pop funko is from hot topic Mm -hmm. so this was bought at hot topic 
as far as I'm concerned, anybody can buy from Hot Topic unless you've been banned from Hot Topic. Yes, there are people who have been banned from Hot Topic. It happens. Before anybody asks. <laughs> it happens. It happens. It's, it's, not even, it's not even a joke. There are people who have been banned from, from Hot Topic. You could buy, you know, you could get comic shops. You could buy comics. Um, obviously, you could buy this comic raw from a comic shop. And then CGC is just a company where you send the book to and they grade it. And then also got signed either privately or at a con. I'm not exactly sure where this got signed because uh, I bought this book off of eBay. Mm-hmm. And so you can sell on eBay. There's a variety of other comic places where you can sell. And that's kind of, you know, how it goes. And I view eBay as an institutional place where you can sell things. Uh, Amazon, you can sell Facebook Market. Um, Wish, you can sell on. Um, Macari is getting big. And there's, I think, like 10 other places. Um, I primarily sell on eBay. Or what's starting to happen now is what is known as private sales. So somebody says, I buy comics. Let's either meet up at Starbucks and we'll do the deal there in cash or conversely, you know, that sort of happens where you negotiate on Facebook and then it becomes what is known as a private sale. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, well, when you're dealing with a $1,500 book and eBay's taking out 13%, yeah, you know, it adds up real quick. Definitely. Um, So how much money can someone make? Like, can can this be a full-time job? Just like you have day traders. Right, all I do is just buy and sell stuff all day long. Can can alternative investing kind of be a full time gig where you live pretty comfortably? Let's say like a, like like a, like a like a regular like a reg, even like a two bedroom apartment um, in anywhere in the country or like a, a whole house. Can you can you live full time just on an alternative investing? I think, I think you can, I think it can be done. Um, so I know people who deal with, um, $50,000 book sales. Wow. Um, and so obviously if you're dealing with a $50,000 book, sale, you might've been into the book at 30 grand. Um, and so you're making a $20,000 profit. There are people that all they do is that they deal with auctions of books that are worth 10,000 or more. And so they are sellers of really high end books, they deal and they sell to Heritage or they sell to Otis, um, you know, and they, there are people who do this and they obviously might not do this full time. They might have things like they might advise for companies. They might advise for Heritage on the side, but a bulk of their money comes from this. And so I think people can do it. I don't think it's the easiest task. I think you need to know what you're doing. Um, but I think people, and there are people who are doing this, who are buying and selling a lot of books and buying a lot of books and moving a lot of merch because there's a lot of rich people in the United States. And you know, what it is there's, we have the most millionaires, I think in the world, in the U S and we have the most billionaires in the world, in the U S and well, a lot of these people want fun toys and, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it can be done. Um, and, and even if it can't be done, if, you are dealing with $50,000 books and you sell a few of those a year and you're making 80 grand on those sales and you have a regular job that's producing you a hundred thousand. And then you take that 80 grand and you invest it properly. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about 80 grand in profit. I'm not talking about 80 grand in the actual thing. You pay yourself back and you kick it forward. You see that 80 grand. And if you do that enough times for a few years and it's invested correctly and into dividend stocks, 
Um, yeah, you, you, you probably don't need to ever work again if you do it the right way and live frugally. So how does this work with the big man upstairs? Big man upstairs, of course, being the government with taxes. Because like, if you make, if you, if someone was making that much money, they have to claim it. Whereas, like, if I was just kind of doing it here and there throughout the year, I say make a thousand bucks throughout the whole year. I don't have to claim right. that. That's just that's just money I made on the side. Oh, so it's getting it's getting fun. So the the way it works on eBay is mm. that you have a te- so 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 I'm I'm not a tax expert. So I know on eBay, what it used to be is the 1099K requirement on eBay yep. used to be 200 sales or 20K. Yep. And they, they, they'd the, send you a, like a, they'd send you a W-2 or whatever the form is at the end of the year to file it with all your earnings and you file it for taxes. And, and, and then, and then you deal with your account and you figure mm-hmm. out what to cut out. And that's, gets, just, that's just one platform though. You can do that, it on that, so what, 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 where I'm going with this is, and this is where it gets fun, and this okay. is what nobody knows in comic book investing now, is the American Rescue Act plan that was signed in, snuck in onto online sales, for, and in particular with eBay, and I would imagine it's similar with Amazon and a few others, and I think it affects Coinbase too, is that it lowers it down from 20K and 200 sales to $600, no requirement of sales. So right now, if you said $600 or more, and I think starting at the end of 2022, so you're going to be receiving a 1099K. And and this is where it gets fun, is that selling 600 bucks on eBay is not that difficult. No, that doesn't sound like difficult at all. It's really easy. When I'm selling an $80 book and every sale that I do is $50 to $80 and I'm selling 10 items, by month two, I have sold $600 plus of merchandise. That doesn't mean I made $600 in profit. Mm -hmm. A 1099K is not a profit statement. It is saying you sold X and look, technically, you probably can report a negative 1099k and pay less taxes theoretically from my understanding because if you sold things but you lost money on all of it and you deduct it so if i bought an item for 10 bucks and i sold it for five i didn't make any money and technically if you're running a business you could run at a negative margin yes and technically i mean i don't i don't i'm not a tax expert but what happens is that if you sold 800 you might not be in a different tax bracket it just creates a headache for your accountant Mm-hmm. is what it's doing. Right. And so now what's going on and one of the biggest debates is that people are saying, look, that 1099K is not going to come into effect really and affect anybody for this year. So people are saying, do I sell my big books for 50K and then I don't have to pay the 1099K requirement or I have to pay less of it or if I sell my $5,000 books this year and I sell three of them, you know, next year, maybe they'll go up 500 bucks, but now I don't have to worry about the taxes as far as the 1099K is concerned because I'm not in that position with eBay. And it's a very complicated debate because nobody knows. Yeah, classic, classic government making things super confusing with no clarity. I'm sorry, I used to work for the government. I know, but <laughs> it, 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 it's so it's 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 frustrating because nobody knows and this conversation actually is not happening in the comic book community. It happened for about two weeks and then every group dropped it. And what's gonna happen and then a bunch of people are gonna wind up getting hit end of 2022 in December mm-hmm. or early January and they're gonna be like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, they're like why and, oh how much money? Excuse me? Well, yeah. I don't have this. Right. Like a lot, a and, lot of people, I, th- I really do think a lot of people are going to be uh, be in big trouble. Now, 
It, now, what you, I'm glad you're saying you're not a tax expert. Like, I'm not a tax expert either. But for when it comes to running a business, obviously, there's things you can write off as long as you can prove or your accountant can show, hey, this was a business expense. Now, if you're just buying and selling things off of eBay and you put it back into buying other things, yeah, you could write that off if you're registered oh, it, as it, a it business. Gets, it gets right? more complicated. Yeah. So my, my understanding is that – Because you, you need to be registered as like a sole proprietor LLC. Right, because they I have like a bank account. No, 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 no. I don't even think you need to, to some degree. They're, the only thing that an LLC does, from my understanding, is it protects you from limited liability. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're, if I was to do, you know, you know, start a um, consulting service of an economic consulting, and I was a certified financial planner or yep. advisor. Yep. I need to be an LLC because I can be sued. If I'm an LLC, my corporation can be sued. I can't be sued personally. I It would be very hard for you to sell me if I sell you this book because this book can't hurt you. It would be ridiculous versus me giving you bad financial advice, me giving you bad medical advice. That can hurt you. Right. And what an LLC does is it protects you from – liability. I don't think somebody can sue me if they got a paper cut for my comic. I think <laughs> they, they can try. They can try. You can sue for anything. They, 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 can, they would lose. Yeah, I think it's be, a safe it would be, assumption. It would be thrown. A judge would be like, get the fuck out of here. My point <laughs> is that I'm not at any liability because right. I'm not giving any advice. I'm selling you a product that is not going to hurt you. If you try to sue me because you said, oh, I'm going to read the comic when I'm driving, you know, again, a judge is going to throw that out because it's not reasonable. You know, and, and the, the point is that I think I, I can deduct certain things from a business and I don't think I have to be an LLC. Now, there are advantages to being an LLC that you get other, I think, deductions and other things, but you can deduct things. My dad is a sole proprietor attorney Mm -hmm. and he runs a business. He's on an LLC because it doesn't make any sense for him to be an LLC when he has one employee himself. Yeah. It's a sole, yeah. Sole proprietorship. Correct. And and so, and so I can deduct certain business expenses and, and I I do. (laughs) And and so like I deduct shipping and I take eBay's fees out of it. Mm. how much mm-hmm. the book costs, you know, packaging materials. Now, obviously, I'm probably, I could probably deduct more, but I don't. And also, you know, it is, I'm not selling 50000 a year either. So the government's not necessarily looking at me the same way they're looking at somebody else yeah. who's selling $400,000. Or I'm not a brick and mortar. And it gets tricky also because I sell in all, you know, 48 states, give or take. Yeah, they're not going to audit you. For sure, like yeah, that would be that would be silly. They're, they're gonna look go at those big fish who are kind of trying to find this as loophole. It only sounds like that law that was passed is a way to kind of close a loophole. That's what they were trying to do for, because the guy's selling an eighteen thousand dollar Rolex, and they want to get him. Mm. But and, and it becomes complicated. Now the rule gets more complicated, and this is why nobody knows what the fuck it is. Because if I go and sell. So, so, so I, I like using props. They're, they're fun. So if I go sell this love book I love it. for $8 and then I buy another book for $8 or $6 that the eBay takes their fees and it's for my personal enjoyment, that's not included in my 1099K mm-hmm. and then I have to explain to my accountant. So if it's to further your hobby, it's excluded. Now, what does that mean exactly? How do you define a I, hobby? I, I don't know what that means, and How that's why I'm so confused. Hobby. Exactly, yeah. It's it sounds like a nightmare. It honestly sounds like a nightmare, and I and I don't envy you. But that's why it's alternative investing. It's it's not regulated, so that there's no 
There's no rules. Here comes the government trying to make rules. It, it, so and, I don't envy you. eBay, eBay, eBay made it complicated. The government mm-hmm. made it complicated. And mm-hmm. you know what it is? I hate to say this, but you know what it is? If a Republican gets into office in 2024, this might be dismissed. A good chunk of it might be dismissed. And then if a Democrat gets involved in 2028, it might come back and we might have wanes in between every four years when IRS reform happens. It is insane. And this is why it's ludicrous. And nobody knows what it's going to be. Nobody has any idea how mm-hmm. it's going to play it out. And this is why I need to find a collectible CPA. Mm. Mm. You need to find people who know what they're doing. I mean, I have friends in the porn industry. There are porn CPAs for a reason. Of course. It, 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 meaning that, that, that certain things are deductible in, based on your profession. You need, you need someone it, who knows the tax code as well as the law. And, and, and it, 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 it's, it's a very, very, very crazy and, and beyond frustrating concept. And, and, and I don't know what it means. And it's confusing. And, and, and I'm going to throw something else out there that's even going to be more confusing that a bunch of are going to get burned on. I'm obviously involved in the Kickstarter community. And I know it's a slight deviation, mm. but people in, in, in the Kickstarter community are going to get burned because I think that American Rescue Act is going to be playing a big factor in that. And I think, I think it's going to be very interesting what happens when everybody gets hit and says, oh, snap, I'm in income bracket three and I'm in income bracket two. And now my taxes for that extra $3,000 is 25% and not 20%. I don't have that money. Oh, shit. What do I do? Right. And it's coming. Yeah. And I'm prepping for it. I mean, I know it's coming and it's going to be bad and it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Well, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> let's let's ship no, 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 no. from the government. It's it's it's, like, it's, it's, it's important it's to, very, to ask it's this. It's a very important thing because it's like okay, so like if I was gonna get into into um this kind of investing, it's like I need to know these risks, right? Everyone needs to know these kind of risks. It's not just if that's if you want to take it really seriously. Suppose it's oh, you know, th- things here and there. So when you when you make money, let's shift over. Let's focus on the cash and the money. When you when you make money, say you make like X amount a month. How much of that money goes towards reinvesting in other products for like specific long-term investing, like other comics, other anime, other Funko Pops? How much mm-hmm. of that goes towards like traditional investing, like maybe gold, crypto, I don't know to say crypto, but gold, stocks, whatever. And how much of that goes to like rent, food, and necessities or beer? So right right now, I'm lucky. Um, so, so I'm right now living at my home and my parents aren't charging me for anything. So, so, so COVID, COVID has forced me to, into a sort of crazy corner mm-hmm. and then I'm in between work right now. But when I was working and doing this, it will we'll go off that. So my job paid for my rent and it paid for my food and I had a little bit of extra money, you know, to basically pay, you know, you know, to have some fun, you know, buy a new video game. And I was living perfectly comfortable and then also take some money and sort of throw it into the investment pool for comics. And then I was buying some stock and some other stuff. And then, so that with my alternative investing, none of my real money, I guess, for my job ever has been really put into this, except maybe about $10,000 over 10 years just to start it up. And every once in a while, you need a little bit of a cash injection of maybe $1,000 every two years or so because you're having a cash flow issue. Um, beyond that, this hasn't really, this has all been a lot of cash flow has sort of happened with this in the last, I would say six years when I started selling a lot. 
Um, so what winds up happening since none of this is going to food rent or anything like that, um, what winds up happening is that I pay the item back itself. So let's hmm. say that I sold an item and I bought the item for 20 bucks and I sold it for 30 and I made $3 on it. That's that goes in the $3 is put aside and gets broken down into what is now going to be taxes coming up a portion of that, probably a third, just, just in case it's a, it's a disaster. And then the other $2, I get to do whatever the hell I want to do with it. And either I'll throw it into crypto. If I think crypto is good, I'll throw it into stocks or I'll just put it into my brokerage account. Sometimes I'll just leave it sitting around for a rainy day because, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, but I pay myself back, but rather than pay myself back, what I do is I buy a new item. So I immediately take that money and buy a new item. And then the remainder, a third of it's going to be going to tax. And then the other $2 go into an investment that produces interest Mm. in some capacity, whether that's a crypto position or whether that's just in a stock. Um, And what I mean by interest is dividends. And then my dividends get reinvested. Um, And very rarely, you know, I might just cash out of a complete book and take the whole thing off the table if I think it's a necessary move because I have something coming up that is required for it. Such as, you know, if I'm a hundred bucks short and it's Christmas time and I just sold a book, you know, if you take a hundred bucks off, you know, once a year off of a book and you're selling a thousand items a year, it's not that big of a deal because well, you got to get somebody at Christmas. Um, But when I was working, I had an emergency fund. So I was never, ever put in danger. And it was only a little, cash infusions and obviously right right now i am asset rich i am stock rich i am investing rich i am cash poor and that's why i'm selling a lot more stuff and moving stuff out and slightly discounting things by maybe like five ten bucks so i can get back up to a better cash position i believe they call that perceived value perceived wealth like it's like it's like you're cash poor, but you're you're wealthy in things you own. The perception of wealth is there because you can just go get it. You can just sell it and go get it. I have enough money in the stock market that, that most 28-year-olds don't have. Mm. And they're producing me dividends, but I don't want to touch that. It, it, it's liquid. Yep. I, have, I have a lot of cash in the bank. It's liquid, but I don't want to touch it. And I'm in a fortunate enough position where COVID's a nightmare and I move back home which was the smartest move on the table because when you're not being charged rent, yeah, no, you know, definitely. It, it works. Yeah. No, I, and, I, I and, think and I'm, I'm the same way. And I'm gearing up and I'm starting a job in two weeks. Oh. So, so it's nice when you're starting a job in two, three weeks and that's going to solve a problem, but it's in Connecticut and it's five miles away from my house. So I'm going to live here as long as I can. Mommy and daddy, you know, if, if they're paying the rent, guys, I'm taking it. You know, honestly, like a lot, of, a lot of young people, I'm 26. Um, I've, been, I've been on my own since I graduated college. I mean, I, I'm not fully, I would support my parents. My parents still support me in certain ways. Like, um, I just turned 26, so they paid my healthcare forever. Um, they like, they still pay my phone. I just paid my car insurance for the first time this year. So like, I'm starting to wean off the teats, if you will. Um, but- I, I paid a lot of rent when I was in DC and I was living there oh, for four and DC, a half years. Yeah, forget it. You know, I'm, I'm in- I'm and, in, and I, loved, I'm in, I loved where I lived. Yeah. Until, I, until I was my on building. Long Islands. I was on Long Island. I'm in Hoboken, New Jersey. Like New York, New York City is right there. So I, I, I totally get the expenses. I'm almost jealous. I wish I could have that freedom, but honestly going home would just destroy me. But I, I'm, I'm glad. How long have you been doing this? How long have you been doing this kind of investing with comic books? 
sophomore year of college, probably eight years, eight give years, or take? but I, but, but I've been collecting for probably 12. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. So, so, but, but I've always been a flipper of things and like, you know, you know, and then, and then you have a bunch of cool stuff and you're like making money. What, <laughs> it's I, it's I, a lot of fun. I'm going to, I'm going to assume you were like a, a comic book anime wrestling fan your whole life. So what made you sophomore year of college be like, you know what? I'm going to start doing this. And was it, was it gradual or was it just hit the ground running? Let's go. Oh, it was, it was very, very gradual where, where, it, it, it's as I stated, I just needed beer money. Love it. It, 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 it sounds so silly that when you're saying, oh man, I have no money for the next month comics that are coming out, which is two months because you could order your comics two months in advance at 50% discount. Mm. Um, I'm like, oh man, I don't have any money. What can I do here? And they're like, oh, I could do this. I have this book. Oh, snap. 120 bucks. I'm good for the next three months with alcohol and comic books. How can I lose? Like, I didn't even think of it as an investment. I thought of it saying, this book's not doing me any favors. Mm. And then, as I stated, you know, and then you go and then you're like, oh, man, I need a little bit more money here, a little bit more money there. And then all of a sudden you, you have a summer job and then you, you you take a few, you know, months off from that and you're happy getting your comics and you're thrilled and you're buying stuff. And then you're like, oh, man, I need money again. And then you just sort of spot trends and you're like, now I'm going to start buying what is good and what's going to make me money. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then and then you get further into it and then. Yeah, and then now I buy certain things knowing that in three, four years, they're going to be worth 50% more to 200% more, and I'm going to be thrilled, and I'm going to make money, and then it's now become very much a, I guess, perpetual machine, and and then now I'm pulling back a little bit because I think the market is overhyped, and I think that that I'm just realigning what I have in my collection because the pendulum swung a little too far with two or three companies and now I got to balance it out a little bit. And so I'm just restructuring the portfolio. I mean, I view it very much like a private equity fund because right. in a lot of ways it's, it, it, I mean, that they, and I don't mean like, like this is very much a numbers game and I'm also switching up on what I'm going and viewing as sleepers. So a sleeper is an investment that nobody looks at. And then three years down the road, it explodes and everybody hates themselves for not picking it up. Right. It's, it's the same puzzle as different pieces. Like, you know, what, what you're doing is no different than what any jack-off over on Wall Street does. You're just doing it with a completely different outlet, completely different market, and completely different uh, soon-to-be similar rules. <laughs> um, and, and also, I'm doing it where everybody can compete because I can't compete with Wall Street. That, right. That's the big difference with alternative investing. This is a $15 item, okay? I can't go... And on Wall Street in a hedge fund, they're shorting things. I can't cover a short if it goes the other way. In which that I don't, but if I lose 15 bucks, I'm going to be pissed, but I didn't lose my house. Right. I didn't go and solve it. Right, right. <laughs> and so, so that, that, that's the difference too, is that you could get into this game for $4. You get in this game for $2.59 in previews every month with one book and shipping. You can't buy and, and short and get the same rate of return on Wall Street because most day traders suck. Yeah, 80% of them yeah. lose money. It is a brutal sport. It is hard to – if you take $80 a month 
and go buy comics, statistically, you're going to do fine. Statistically, well, how, shit, you're going to break even. How long? How long does? How long does it take to? How long does it take to break even? How long does it take to see a return on your investment? On average, obviously, some things are 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 different depending what, what, on what, what you buy. What strategy are you using? It, it depends on the strategy. Hmm. So, what we're going to go into this because yeah, this you, is this is I love doing this. So, no, go ahead. You tell me. Tell me. Tell me like a few different strategies you have used or strategies should avoid. Just, yeah, go into strategy. Go for I, it. I I I utilize two two strategies. So I use a, a long term play. Okay. So I like buying books and saying, okay, this book needs to mature. Mm-hmm. And so the book is a maturity book. So great. I buy the book and I'm like, cool, I'll hold on to it for three years. And I bought it for 20. I'm going to sell it for 70 in three years or 80 in three years. I've also used strategies where, and it's a little unethical where they say one per person. And then I use my dad's office. I'll send it to my sister. I'll send it to my friends and I'll buy three of them. And then I'm flipping that book for 70, 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then somebody's like, could you do something? I'm like, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're happy. I'm happy. It was uh, a, a Star Wars, a Xenoscope book of a Sonatona. They were, they were doing a mock-up of her. And I kept one for myself, too, because it's an amazing book. Um, I sold the two. I bought three, and I sold two of them and basically paid for, for the one and all. <laughs> it's, it's great. But So that's a quick flip. And those are really the two strategies I utilize effectively. Um, and then, and then I guess, I guess there's a third strategy where I pump money into a book. So a way to increase value in a book is getting it, um, signed and graded like this. So Mm. getting it graded, this is a yellow label, which means it's signed. Um, getting it signed. So sometimes artists will charge for the signature. So that's pumping money and that adds value to it. And then grading it is a 20 to $30 process and whatever the signature is. And then also whatever the book is. What what is, what does grading mean? What does that mean? Um, it means what they do is that CGC or CBCS, um, you send it to them at a con or in the mail, you pay them obviously, and then they encapsulate and give an objective grade. So they analyze the corners, the page numbers, okay. um, the colors, any spine takes, any fractures, staples missing. And this basically protects the book. It says this is a 9.8. And that even if this book was to go down to one piece of paper inside this over the next 50 years, it is a 9.8. Or they also, if they witness the signatures, they authenticate the signature there. And that adds value. So this signature is authenticated by CGC saying he signed, Derek Chu signed this book. Okay. So now we know when I list this thing on eBay that Derek Chu signed this book, CGC witnessed it, and it's a 9.8, the third highest grade. And it's now not that, that, that if – we, me and you could have a discussion if we were looking at this book together. You could say, oh, I think it's a 9.6. I think it's a 9.4. Right, right, right. I think it's a 9.8. We cannot have a discussion on that book. So that it's a certificate showed. of authenticity. But, it, but, but, but this, this is airtight. Right. So you, you can't open this. Non-negotiable. Okay. You can't, you can't Ooh, open this. Really? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard plastic. Okay. It, you can't open this book unless you want to ruin it. I mean, you could open, obviously we could open it, but this, like no air is in here or very right. little air is in here. Right. So this book will have a shelf life if it was exposed for probably 30 to 40 years. Um, there have been books that have been submerged underwater for an hour and no water got into this. God, nerds never cease to amaze me. I got to tell you, man. It's this really, company, so this company was just bought by Blackstone for 250 plus million dollars. And now it's part of Blackstone. You have a big institutionalization 
bought a grading company for comic books with Jay-Z of all people and a few others. And it's a big deal because I think they're going to spin it off. And this company grades baseball cards and Pokemon cards, and this adds value. So if this book was raw and signed, it might be a $40 book. This book's at least a hundred dollar book. So when you get something graded, it adds value to it because it changes the definition. When you get something autographed and graded, it changes the valuation on it. And that's the whole point. And that's why this has become financialized. It's so interesting, not to mention that I want to protect things like this is not worth getting graded. If somebody gets it graded and gets this book graded, they wanted to get it graded because they like the book. They're not looking at it as an investment right. as far as grading. What's the highest grade and, you can get? What's like, what's, uh, the, what's the scale? A perfect 10. It's, it's, okay, 10 it's, not, it's not a 10 to one. Two, okay. two, 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 two point NA. Point NA. But it, it. So, 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 or, or not point NA, N slash A. But then with CGC, there's a blue label. There's a green label, which is an unqualified signature, meaning that the book is signed, but they can't certify it. Mm. Um, and then there's a restored one or unqualified means that they can't be graded, but you just wanted it encapsulated for whatever reason. Um, and so that's how they view it. And it's, so restored books are very different than yellow labels. They're very different than blue labels. Um, but again, it's, it's a huge company. It's a big company. And when you get big companies like Blackstone buying them, I mean, there you go. And for, for those who don't know, CBCS is owned by Beckett. Beckett is a big baseball trading card company. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of grading. They do a lot of other stuff. They, do, they have magazines. And they own a lot of stuff, too. And they offer comic book insurance as well. How do you how do you know when something's going to be valuable and something's going to be a dud? Like, how 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 can you tell that this is worth investing in, or how do you know it's like you know what, I'm going to pass on that? Like, is it is it a gut feeling or is this like okay? Or is, how do you whenever know? I throw something into a Facebook group and people make fun of me, I triple down. Oh my <laughs> god, honestly, dude, not gonna lie, that's brilliant, dude. Keep that up. Keep that up. Because you know how many people have told me since I started podcasting, I'm not going to make money off of it. There's no money in podcasting. Motherfucker, Joe Rogan sold for $100 million. They can all kiss my ass. All right? So I'll, I'll tell, I love I'll tell that. a That's story. the best answer you could have possibly given. I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell a traditional stock story because it's relevant. Everybody made fun of me for buying mm-hmm. L brands when they were at $9. Everybody made fun of me. And then L brands... I saw it going down all the way from like a hundred down to nine bucks. I bought a bunch of shares, got made fun of in a bunch of stock groups. Then it creeped up to $12, $15, $18, $20. And I was at 34. I'm like, oh man. And then Scathemore came in and then I was like, no, don't do it. And then the deal fell through and I was ecstatic. And then it just kept going up and then they had their brand split and they had a stock split where Bath and Body Works was under L Brands and Victoria's Secret was under L brands and basically what wound up happening is bath and body works at 84 dollars spun off at 63 dollars and victoria's secret spun off at 48 victoria's secret on the first day spiked up 25 percent and victoria's secret at i think 57 dollars and l bath and body works is at 50 63 i want to say so i took a nine dollar stock to 110 dollar value per share Good um, Lord. and i got made fun of for it for and, 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 and I was 100% correct and took 18 months that I was right. 
And uh, so, so, so when people, but, but joking aside on that point, I'm very much a contrary investor. When people start saying, oh, that's a bad idea. This pop was a great example of that. We're like, this is not going to be anything. And I'm like, well, we'll see. And I sort of knew Spider-Man's big. At some point, Carnage is going to get big, whether that's MCU or Sony. And uh, I made that. And then also I look at certain things like Star Wars is always hot. Mm-hmm. So anything that does a cover that's not Marvel or DC, like Xenoscope or Aspen or some other people, if they do a Star Wars S cover and people sort of want it, I always know to pick it up and I always know to go after it. I know to pick up certain books, also books that look good. And, and certain artists I get a feeling on are the next big thing. I'm also fortunate enough, and, and I know I know you don't want to talk about it, but when you're interviewing a lot of comic people like I do, I get insight into who's the next superstar before other people, and it's a perk and it's a privilege because when you're in comic groups and people introduce you and say, hey, check out this new person, there's this the first time they're doing a cover, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go check out what they've done. And then you pick up stuff that they've done early on. And so I'm fortunate enough to be in very much a perk position where one of my other hobbies slash businesses that I run gives me insight into it. Um, And then I just know that certain things are big. You know, it's the saying that Pokemon's not going anywhere. One piece as an anime is not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, things like star Wars are only going to get bigger. You know, Indiana Jones is only going to get bigger. Tom Brady's going to win 10 more Super Bowls. We know it. God willing. Yeah. It's, it's once he wins them, I mean, we're screwed on earth. I'm telling you, that's the end of earth as a show. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that's like the finale is, is Tom Brady winning his 17th Super Bowl. Um, it's coming guys. I mean, he, he, he can play, he can play. They're going to have to kill him before he leaves the field. Um, but that's kind of how I just know where it's just, I have a lot of insight and then also, I just buy cool shit. Yeah, that's that's crazy. All right. You know what? We've we've gone for an hour, and I haven't even talked about your pop anime comics, your website. So, man, tell me about your website, like what you do there, and then we're going to have some fun and just talk some wrestling, anime, and comics with some speed rounds. So just tell, me about your, <laughs> tell, me about your, tell me about your website. I honestly didn't think we are going to talk that long about investing, but goddamn, man, we went down a rabbit hole. So let's cop on, come out the other end and let's talk about like what it is you what is you do for you, like I guess your business and your website. Let's go. So my, my website is sort of fun, and uh, I just write about anime, comics, wrestling, and uh, yeah, I, I don't really do much on that. Um, I just like, like I just like writing about this stuff, and uh, I sort of fell into that too because I got demonetized on YouTube. And I said, oh, screw it. I'll just write on this what, stuff. How? And I what was happens? a bad writer. What happens? Um, I just broke a bunch of their rules, and uh, I can't make money on YouTube, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it's um, really annoying, man. I'm, it's, I'm it's, mad for you. It's been, it, it's been the greatest thing in a very painful way because it forced me to, A, open up my website, which then forced my podcast, and it forced me to actually become a better writer. Mm. Um, and so I've written over 300 articles on anime, on comic books, on wrestling. I like writing how things should be booked and why they are not booked that way. I don't know. I like writing about animes and military and reviewing anime. I have something on my website called the good, the bad, the verdict on a particular show um, where I talk about what's good, what's bad. And uh, 
whether you should watch it or not. Um, I am actually, I haven't been writing on my website for a while now and I actually just wrote an article and I finished it today about uh, military animals that have served. And I'm going to be putting that up tomorrow. It's a very cool thing because I have a relationship with the Navy Press Institute now and they publish a lot of graphic novels dealing with military. And so I'm super excited to release that one. And uh, I'm actually getting back into writing now again for, for the first time in a while. And so, uh, yeah, and, uh, I just like doing it and, uh, I do a bunch of other stuff too. Obviously I podcast and I do a little speaking and, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's not much there. And then and obviously I've done a bunch of anime panels and stuff at cons talking about like Godfather of anime, Asama Tezuka, sports animes, Gundam, uh, attack on Titan, Fahrenheit 451 and the walking dead. I compared that and I invented that concept and I've been in actually uh, cited in a bunch of college papers on it. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm 22. I'm 22. I'm getting cited by people who are trying to get their PhDs who are like 30. And I'm like, how is this even possible anymore? And like, can we have your panels? I'm like, no, no, you cannot. Oh, <laughs> you can cite me. My name is Andrew Davis. That's fine. You cannot have my panels. No, it's just no. And I was like, but I said, if you want to talk to me, that's cool. And a person spoke to me for like 30 minutes. I don't know if I was cited, but but they used some of my ideas apparently. So I'm cool with that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love it. And uh, I actually got to speak at the Javits Center. So that, that that's a cool thing that's happened. I don't know how many people get to say that. I didn't get paid for it, but but I got to speak there. Yeah, I, I've, I checked out your podcast on SoundCloud. Um, I listened to a few of them. I like them, dude. You're really good at it, not going to lie. That's my old show. That's Okay. I have a new show. So what's your new show? Because this, so okay, what's I know well, this. This is we're gonna divvy off in the podcast because it's not this podcast to talk about the podcast. But what's the new show? Where can I find it? Is it available everywhere? So the new show is only on YouTube and hmm. Facebook, and sometimes on Twitch. Um, it's a Facebook Live, and it's similar to to the old show. Um. And uh, so the old show is called Pop Anime Comics Lounge, and I interview comic writers, voice actors, wrestlers, and cosplayers. And COVID hit, and I just turned that into a Facebook Live called Conversations in Pop Culture um, that focuses more on indie comics and indie wrestling and a little bit of cosplay. And uh, that's just Facebook Live. And uh, I am did 90 last year, and I'm hitting 185 this year. And uh, the old show, Pop Anime Comics Lounge, uh, is just on a hiatus for a little bit because the marketplace has changed, but, but, but I don't want to get too much into it. Um, but you could pretty much find that on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch. Um, and eventually it will, um, get onto, uh, an RSS feed or a podcast. Um, I just haven't done it yet because uh, money's a little bit tight right now. And I have something coming out on November 1st that might solve my problem, but, uh, that's a different discussion. That's, that's, that's a different discussion. And, uh, I, I could tell everybody what, what, what it is. Cause, cause it'll, this will be out by then. Um, if everybody wants to know, I'm launching a Kickstarter to fund my season three for conversations in pop culture. All right, man. We'll we'll talk after because I do want to talk. I do want to talk about your podcast. We'll we'll, we'll talk offline because as yeah, you know, yes, as you know, yes, ambiguous, I don't want to ruin it. Ambiguous Podcast Solutions is a, a a company and network where we partner with podcasters. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, but let's talk some comics. So I myself, and an anime noob, like I am. I am what I call a fan of American anime. Meaning, like, I grew up on Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, and nowadays I watch Naruto. I watch a lot of Naruto. I'm almost done with, like, the whole series, and I got to get into Shippuden. But um, 
What is your favorite anime of all time? Oh man, I I am very much a Gundam nut. So anything Gundam, uh, I'm I'm for. Um, probably if if I had to watch one Gundam, I'd probably say Gundam Zeta. No idea. <laughs> so so, so G- it. G- Gundam Gundam just as, just as a franchise has been around for over forty years, okay. and uh, it's mecha robots in space fighting over stuff. It's it's a war anime, and it's just. A, a big franchise. It's like a stable in anime. Um, but yeah, uh, I like Naruto too. And uh, Boruto, I just, I just can't watch Boruto. No, that's, that I, sounds like a stretch. I mean, like I remember like in, in high school, like Naruto was like pretty big. And I was like, Naruto fucking nerds. And, and, and One Piece is great. One yeah, Piece is always good. I, I'm going to get around to One Piece. But like when it came to Naruto, I was like, I started watching it. Like, okay. Like, what is this? How good can it really be? I'm like, I was missing out all these years. It's incredible. It's so good. It, it's it's funny because I got to do the voice actor Shikumaru. Really? The voice actor of, you know, and the voice actor of Choji has been on. Shikumaru is one of my favorite characters. That guy's like, he's like oh, what a drag. This is such a drag such that we have drag. to go stop the enemy. Man, I don't even want to take part in these stupid tuning exams. Man, this is such a drag. God damn it! Why did I have to wake up? <laughs> I, I, I like, I like, how, I like how he's tasked. They're in the middle of the tuning exams. He's tasked, and Kakashi's like, "I need you to do this now." And like Shikumaru's like, "What a drag!" And like, oh, it's it's great. It's great. He, he's like the greatest character ever. Because 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 it's not that 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 he's lazy. He just uses his smarts instead. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I'm too smart for this. He's like, I, I'm playing chess, 40 chess. You're all playing checkers. Like, get out of here. I, I like the fact that in the middle of the tuning exam, he's like, I give up. Like, <laughs> yeah, quit. I'm done. And he's the only one who passed. <laughs> he's the only one who passed. Uh, it, it was it was great. He's like, you had to fight three people and then one of them gets killed. Oh, it, 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 it's the, that entire arc from the tuning exam to when they go after Sasuke is the greatest yeah. arc in Naruto ever because it's so perfect what they've done and is in the middle of it. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm like it's I'm like three bad. seasons like, after after like after Naruto and Sasuke fight. It's just in Sasuke gets and runs away. It's just it's all fluff until you hit Shippuden. Shippuden. So I'm just like trying to get through the fluff, and it's just like it's just so hard. But there's some fun episodes. There's, there's some fun episodes. There's some really good ones. Like I just finished just the series where they they go to like the water islands, and like that other lady was just like was uh, formerly with uh, Orochimaru, and she was like she got a little more of her backstory. I was like, that's interesting. Give me canon, all right? Don't give me this fluff of like Shyly <laughs> and Rockley got cloned by these two dumbasses and they go oh, in, I they go into the I leaf village. It. You know what I mean? It's I love like, that episode. I love that episode because it's so ridiculous. And it's they're like, so what? ridiculous. I'm like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And anyone who's not an anime fan, I'm sorry. You can just fast forward five minutes or whatever. So, um, what? Is, so, if someone's just getting into anime, just started, like, okay, Andrew, I like, I hear all about this anime. Where do I start? What is like the baseline? If you want to get into anime, you need to watch these three uh, shows or movies. Right now, I think the show to watch is Cowboy Bebop. Mm, okay. And and the the reason why is it's the Netflix stuff is coming out. Yep. And I think I think it makes a lot of sense for people to say, you know, is if you're gonna watch an anime that everybody's gonna want to talk about, and anime fans and non-anime fans are gonna talk about, it, it's Cowboy Bebop. 
because that's coming out, I think, what, in November? And so that, that that's the anime to watch right now. I wouldn't call it the baseline, but if you want to be part of a crowd of both anime fans and people who are not anime fans, that, that, that's your anime to watch. Um, but if you're looking for something that's a little bit more intellectual, a show like 91 Days is very interesting, where legitimately the show takes place in 91 days. Mm. And it's 14 or 15 episodes and it's about a guy whose family was wiped out by a gang feud and a gang disagreement disappears for seven years, comes back and is exacting revenge on the family over 91 days. And every episode, there is no wasted motion and it is a brilliant, brilliant show. And then there's another show called odd taxi that just came out on that. That's probably in similar to that. Um, It is brilliant, and you are not going to know what happens. And and I'm not going to spoil anything, but when you watch it and you get to episode 12, you are going to be completely dumbfounded, and you are going to realize this is one of the most brilliant stories that has ever been told. Not ever been told, but one of the most brilliant stories in the last 20 to 25 years. It's that good, and it is perfect storytelling, and it will change the way you think about stories because you think you are watching one show, and in episode 12, you realize you're watching a whole different show. And and both of those things can be watched for free right now on Crunchyroll for those who want to watch it for free. I don't have any affiliate links you're going to watch with ads, but uh, they can be watched for free, so it's very cool. I'll also throw in uh, the movie Akira. I remember the first time I saw Mm -hmm. Akira, and, you know, like, my friends are big anime nerds. Like, well, you have to watch this movie. So he sat down and watched it. It's a 1988 film. It's a little old, but it still holds up. It's absolutely insane. All I'm going to say about it, the phrase, well, that escalated quickly, is just that for the whole movie. It just escalates so quickly. If, if, if you're going to watch it, you should read the manga as well. Yeah, that as well. The manga, read the book. Read the book as well. Yeah, the, the manga, the, excuse the, me. The book, the book is unbelievable, and it's better than, than anything you, you could possibly the movie was great the book puts the movie to shame it's it, it, all six of them and then and then also uh joshua seth was on and he plays uh, one of the characters he, i think he plays tetsuro tetsuro yeah and that so and like, uh, I, I, it's, it's it's amazing it's, i know all this stuff and it, it's phenomenal akira is a great movie though if you haven't seen it buy it so what what got you into anime Oh man, it's just on it's every on? night on Tsunami. Okay. And then and, and, and then the shows are cool. Like you're watching TVZ and then well the next show looks cool too. And then you're watching this show and then you know, all of a sudden you're watching everything. And then Saturday morning Tsunami was on you're like, Oh man, it's nine o'clock and this is on cool. I shouldn't be watching this. And that's how it turned out. Cause, cause you're from my generation, the stuff that was on in our generation. And I feel bad for, for, for kids growing up now, everything that was not supposed to be on was on at like five or six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like outlaw star outlaw star had pretty much nudity covered by like bricks that were sort of see-through and it was on regular television. It's great. And, and I turned out fine. Like anime, anime itself is just one of the weirdest forms of like art in TV. So, what is it specifically that you just you love about it that you can't get enough of? Because like for me, it's definitely the fighting scenes. It's whenever they fight, whenever two guys fight, it's just like 
this is the craziest thing ever. And sometimes the stories, but I'm not gonna lie, I could go, I could go without the, uh, the just the gasps, it's the, uh, those little noises drive me crazy. Or like the the long fades over someone's eyes, and it's like the themes of friendship endures all. Like so, that shit just annoys the hell out of me. So, what is it for you? It just gets it's like, oh my god, I can't get enough. Like, what about the technical aspect of anime? You know what it is? I, I just like the stories, and, and, and I like the fact mm. that it's sort of action-paced, and I don't know, like, any other American cartoons that that, that do anything even close to anime at this point. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> That's the thing. They don't. It, 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 it's also, it's also the, the fact that, like, you look at American cartoons, there's very few that are adult-oriented. And, you know, if they mm. had something like, you know, all all the cartoons are done for like maybe you're nine years old. I mean, like, like, like when I'm watching a show, like I, I just finished, you know, I uh, was watching Full Metal Alchemist Conqueror Shambhala earlier this today. Like I'm 28, I feel that that, that I can watch that and it's serious enough. I don't feel like it's beneath me. I don't feel like it's a five year old. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't feel, don't dis- feel, like you don't feel disrespected. It, it, it's it's that and also i feel like i belong i feel like if i'm 40 i can watch it and with a lot of anime i feel that way even with like a shonen anime i feel that i, I feel like i'm appropriate aged for it versing and that's the thing about anime is that i feel like there's a much wider range you know mm. versing watching teenage mutant ninja turtles on nickelodeon you know i feel that it's not an appropriate age for me but even watching pokemon right now like Come on, yeah, yeah. If it's definitely geared towards an eight, nine, maybe a ten-year-old, it's not geared to a twenty-eight-year-old. While anime is closer to my age, maybe a certain anime is geared to being sixteen, but it's at least closer to me being twenty-eight. You yeah. know, versus me being eight years old. I mean, a lot of animes are definitely ageless. It's just like no, you're, you need to hear the hunts in the head. Like I'm twenty-six, I can watch this and not feel like I'm. I should be twelve. Yeah, like you, you don't feel when you're watching Naruto that you don't belong. Yeah, like like it's, some some episodes you do. Like when Naruto passes gas and and Kevin that's what kills him in the Trinian exam. That's just a gag joke, but that's still funny to me because fart jokes and dick jokes are hilarious. <laughs> old reliable, but but, but 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 I understand that is aimed at a nine year old. That's not aimed at a twenty eight year old. But then when Naruto is fighting Sasuke, it's the idea that that's a very serious situation yeah and shit got real i'll be 58 going holy fuck this is incredible and, and look i mean i don't know if you've ever had a serious disagreement i'm having an issue with a friend of mine right now and i don't know if we're still friends and i get it and i can draw parallels to that scene yeah meaning that if we me and him were real ninjas and we had chakra and we had jutsus this is how that fight would go yeah and i don't know who would win <laughs> yeah i don't know exactly who but there would be serious consequences. That's what it feels like to me at the very least. I know it sounds a little bit corny, but I can relate to that fight. Mm-hmm. Because at a certain point, sometimes you got to throw fists at people to some degree. You feel like you need to. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes the boys got to throw hands and then you, and then your boys again afterwards. This is how it is. That's just how guys are. But all right. Uh, most underrated anime of all time. Oh man. This is, this is tough. I I, uh, I I don't know. This is this is, you, you know, it is probably. I think I think Voltron. I'm gonna go with Voltron, old school Voltron. Okay, most overrated. 
Oh, man, that's tough. I think Yu-Gi-Oh. I really do. Really? And you know what? <sighs> no, no, fuck you. You're wrong. <laughs> I love Yu-Gi-Oh, all right? The first, the first two... No, okay, fine. Up until... Fine, up until fine. I'll, when I'll revise. Into, no, no, up, up, I'll give you a caveat. Up until they go into Kaiba's dad's stupid, like, virtual computer reality, it's flawless. It's amazing. After that, dog shit. <laughs> Absolute garbage. <laughs> I mean, I mean, th- th- there's a few that that, that 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 are overrated by by far. I I, I definitely think that you know it, it, that that's part of it. I, I I think that you know to some degree, Pokemon after a while becomes overrated. Yeah. It's you know, in all in all defense, anyone who is a massive fan of anime, if I ask them the most overrated nine times out of ten, they'll say Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> they'll say Yu-Gi-Oh. So I'll, I'll let that one slide. All right, final question for anime: dub or sub? Oh man, I'm a subtitle guy because because it's just faster, and that doesn't mean I don't appreciate dubs. Um, but also dubs have gotten a lot better in the last five years. Yeah, it used to be bad. You go back and you go back to early 2000s. It was bad, and it also was bad how it was released, and it was a messed up art. And also, I use Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. and with new shows, they get them an hour late later, mm-hmm. and it's subtitled. And that's the thing too is that if I want speed, certain things, and, and now the U.S. is about three weeks late, which is a lot better than a year late. But it's the idea that. It, it, it's. I just want to watch it immediately, and I just want to watch the show, and I want to enjoy it. And, and so that's why I'm a subtitle guy. I just also am accustomed to it. I, mean, I, I put subtitles on American shit, like, all the time. I put subtitles on everything. Um, it, it makes it so much easier. It does. I've, I've been doing that since I was a kid, like, with my DVDs. Um, ever since I was a kid, I watched everything with subtitles, and it just it's, it's a habit I picked up, and I don't lose. Like, unless I'm watching something live or something that was previously live, Subtitles are on there. Like I, I, I prefer dub is because it's easier. But if subs avail, if the only if the subs are the only thing that's available, it's on a break for me. Like I, I'm watching the original Dragon Ball. It's only available in sub, so I'll watch it in sub. Also, though, if you have the choice, and something like Dragon Ball Z versus sub or dub, I'm gonna pick dubbed. I'm gonna probably be starting Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. There's an option for dub or sub. I'm probably gonna pick the dub version just because it's an option, but most things that I watch, there's no option. Yeah. And it's also just, you know, if I have to pick, I'm gonna watch the the dubbed. Um but also like my eyes just now gradually just pick up and like I, I I'm like it's like I'm doing it subconsciously. It's so weird. It's a weird habit mm-hmm. because I've been watching anime for almost nine years with subtitles and I thought I was never going to do it. It's weird when, when, how you develop a habit. It's so interesting. All right, let's move over to wrestling and then we'll, then we'll, we'll wrap up with comic books and we'll go home. So <laughs> favorite wrestler of all time and favorite wrestler currently. Oh man! I know. I, I hit the hard question. So on my on my podcast, my podcast is the Kings of the Rings podcast. Um, my wrestling podcast. We have this thing called the First Guest Game. So I'm, I pretty much just took most of those questions except the last one because you have to listen to the show to get it. But um, I asked the first question. I always ask. Well, the first one I ask is what got you into wrestling. So I guess I should ask that one. What got you into wrestling? I can let you think about the first favorite wrestler of all time. Oh, oh everybody was watching in high school, and then I said, "Fine, I'll join the club." That's how I started. 
because I, I didn't grow up watching wrestling. I started I it when I was in ninth grade. Yeah, I started in seventh grade. That was in two thousand eight ish. Two thousand two thousand eight. I, I came in. I came in during the John Cena Edge feud. Oh, oh six. Oh six. Okay. Yeah. Oh, five, right, oh, six. right around about 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 six weeks before TLC. Mm. So 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 really really enjoyable feud and amazing. Um. And, and, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that feud. So, so yeah, that's how I got in. And then, and then, you know, I just never left. And then, yeah. And then now, now I'm more into the indie stuff. Oh my God, man. Um, I wish, I wish Evolve was still a thing because Evolve would run shows in at Laboom in Queens. It's like a nightclub and they put on the greatest shows I've ever been to. Because they would they would bring in NXT guys, so we saw like Velatine Dream, rest in peace, um, like Johnny Gargano, um, the Street Matt Profits, Riddle. Matt, Riddle. Matt Riddle. No, but these are people who were in NXT at the time, would come into the show and work with the Evolve guys. Like Austin Theory was the champion there at the time. AG you know? was there. Josh Briggs was yep. there. Yeah, you know you because you know Evolve. Matt Riddle was was there too. I saw Matt Riddle and Ricochet, um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Johnny Gargano on and. Jim and Joey Styles on the same show. It's it, it evolved is is crazy and is is evolving WWE's network is some of their content they, in so there evol- evolved the, the 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 evolved content like evolved sixty eight or whatever is yeah. all on the network but evolve as a company closed its doors while the talent yeah. is merged with um with WWE with NXT and Eddie yeah. Kingston Eddie Kingston and Evolve was incredible and I remember seeing him as like this guy. I'm so happy he's in AEW. Like Orange Cassidy, I saw him in Evolve. Like so many people have gone through Evolve. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Eddie Kingston in ICW is phenomenal. No holds bar, and he got signed. And obviously, he he's not around in that company anymore because well, you know you're signed to AEW. And good on Eddie because Eddie's been doing everything. And, and, and he he's he's one of those guys that that really deserves it, and he deserves to finish off his career nicely. In AEW. Nice paycheck. He's full time getting paid too. He's a New York legend. He's a New York independent scene legend. Um, all right. So favorite wrestler of all time and currently. Oh man. So it's sort of the same person. It's like it's it's not good. Like I love the Miz. That's like that's the right answer. All right. You should love the Miz. <laughs> you like, should like, love I, the Miz. What do you mean? That's a great answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I feel bad that like my favorite wrestler of all time. I mean, I mean, it, John Cena obviously is sort of like one of the top, but it's he's like tied with the Miz. Like my favorite wrestler right now is the Miz, and and I think like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is the Miz because that guy's great. It's it's Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, John Cena, and the Miz. Ooh, okay. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, if I had to pick, you know, you know, I mean, it's like the Miz of all time and Alexa Bliss, if I had to pick two. So I just think Alexa Bliss is priceless. She is great. She is. She's always been great. I remember like when, when she got called up to the main roster and I was just like, really? And then she just burst onto the scene really quickly, really quickly. And she, she became she, my she, favorite very fast. She is. She is the female Miz. The reason why I say this is that red carpet event, Alexa Bliss. Send Alexa Bliss to the gala. Alexa Bliss at the CMAs. Alexa Bliss, Bliss at the VMAs. Alexa Bliss here. Alexa Bliss there. Alexa Bliss, we got this weird awards ceremony. You're on a plane. Monday Night Run, no, you're at this event. Do you want a new dress, Alexa Bliss? Uh, to the event you go. Yep. Hair and makeup, we got you at the event. That's how they do it with her. 
She's been all over. I think in 2017 and 2018, she spent for the entire year 45 days at home. For the entire it. year. Oh, yeah. I 100% believe it. Definitely. Because a thousand percent. Every, every, like, she was doing all this press for WWE. She was doing, like, so many, she was doing two or three press events. Mm. And she was on the road, and she almost every month only had two or three days at home, which is crazy. So she would go home. She would basically have enough time to change out her clothes, and then she'd be back out on the road. And it wasn't that she was wrestling. She was doing even less wrestling those years. And she was just doing all this press because she's perfect at it. It's insane. And then Miz is the same way. Look at Miz is on Dancing with the Stars. He is perfect for that. Yeah. He's, he, he is his character. I mean, he plays a great dick on TV. He plays a great heel. But he's, from everyone I've ever heard, he's such a nice guy. He's such a good genuine nice person and he's a phenomenal ambassador for wwe he's a team player he's a company guy and he makes that company look like a million bucks because he does have have you ever seen have you ever seen how he was responding to when they were in iraq to to a guy you know soldier and he said if you tell me who's your favorite wrestler and then he said oh this guy over here is curtis axel and he said okay who's your second favorite wrestler (laughs) and then he kept going and he said if you don't say my name i'm gonna rip this thing up (laughs) and the guy said somebody else that he just walked away for like five minutes one of the funniest things but that's the, that's what the Miz can do, where he does it so well. And even with I forget, I forget the other guy who was backstage, and he was going through, and then the guy said there was this kid. He said, "You're my least favorite wrestler," and the Miz just plays it off perfectly. And that guy is is just phenomenal. Like I would kill to to to, to interview the Miz. It would be such an amazing interview. And like his reality show that he did for two or three seasons, Miz and phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, phenomenal. It was better than Total Divas. I mean, we we, we had to not kid ourselves here. That show was amazing. And that promo on John Cena is one of the greatest promos on John Cena and Nikki Bella on oh WrestleMania. Oh, my God. Because that everything. Build, that built. John Cena house rule number 44. <laughs> like, it's the best. He's the best. Every, He's every the best. word. Every word that The Miz said about that saying you guys are more concerned about your youtube channel you're more concerned about hollywood i'm out here busting and oh my god yeah unbelievable and the uncuts thing with brian daniel bryan yeah talking smack yeah i mean i mean i don't re- i mean i think from my understanding i don't think that was scripted it was a shoot it was it was it was a work shoot so like he they've talked about this a lot like he was really hot he was really angry and he did just explode but you know him and brian were gonna kind of be at worst because they've been feuding forever that's part of their shtick but it was it was a work that turned into a shoot and it was just like oh damn i remember watching i was like god damn and, 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 and I mean, I mean, I mean, cause, cause I think the Miz spoke about that. He said, I didn't know if I was going to lose my job after that. Yeah. And, 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 and no, I was like, push. <laughs> you got to push. I mean, I mean, I don't know how much the Miz makes, but he has to be making at least a mil. Oh, a lot, a lot. He makes a lot. Like base salary probably makes a lot. Uh, base salary probably it's on a million. I don't know. But with all of his endorsements and the extra stuff he does, he has a good chunk of change. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, he he's phenomenal. The stuff him working with Johnny Impact, and and now Johnny Nitro Johnny back Mundo, in. Johnny Mundo, baby. And, and you know what it is? It's a good deal in which that you know Johnny Nitro 
or John Morrison at this point now, his name was, was, was missing me. I mean, he's making a lot of money too, because he's given up being a championship guy. and He can hang, he can hang, you know, you know, when John Morrison can hang and he's making a lot of money too. And it's smart that WWE brought him back because he can do everything in that company too. Yeah. Him and Mazewicks work so well together. I, I love, I love, I love WWE. I own their stock, and uh, it served me very well. And I, I uh, thought about buying their stock like a year or two ago. I should have. I, I got made fun of it, in which that I put out a post on on uh, Facebook. I said, "If you don't know what WWE is, then you're a moron. Or you're an idiot." I said something to that effect, and a lot of people took that to be offensive, and they didn't understand what I was saying. Where WWE is Disneyland. And that's what it's becoming. And and it's going to be that in the next three to four years. And I think that they are going to be a six to $9 billion company in the next 10. Well, let me ask you, is Vince McMahon, because if I don't know how much you follow the dirt sheets or internet marks and smarks, but they love to say Vince is out of touch. Is Vince out of touch? Has he lost it? I think, I think everybody else has. Yeah. Because he, I, I, and it's exactly what you said. You said it perfectly. It's Disneyland. Like Vince McMahon, the one thing he's done his whole entire career is evolve and adapt. You know, he, he took out the territories, changed the business, became a one company thing, changed the business. WCW came in, changed the business. He just went right in a competition, changed the business. And from there, he has kept adapting, adapting. We're going to do this new, Ruthless Aggression era, the John Cena era, the PG era, changed it from WWF to WWE. He did that for money. People thought he was stupid. He thought he was crazy. No, 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 no. He, then. I, don't, I don't know if he did it for, for money to some degree. Well, he, he, he when, when WWF sued, the World Wildlife Foundation sued for the name, yeah. he was like, fine. I want to change name anyway to entertainment because he's like, we're not wrestling. We're entertainment. That, that is true. Right? That is true. But they negotiated that they don't have to blur it out. Right. Exactly. With the old content, which, right. which made 100% sense. And the World Wildlife Foundation, I think I think they were going to lose that battle. Yeah, probably. Which which wasn't the, the movement of anything. What they should have done is that they shouldn't have they should have figured out a way how to spin it for themselves. And that would have been really smart. They could have raised $100 million easy. Like off is, of that entire name spinoff. Like, is Vince out of touch with wrestling and what's over? I put that in quotes for all the people listening on audio. Um, yeah, probably. In fact, so, most so, definitely. But when it comes to making money and running a business, he is right there. He so I'm, made... I'm going to ask you Go a, a good question. What is AEW? Because you know what WWE is. AEW is wrestling. That, that, see, AEW is a wrestling company. Wrestling. Because this, this is how I view WWE. WWE has the one thing AEW doesn't have. They, they, WWE has three things AEW doesn't have, I should say. The three things are is having a really big library, mm-hmm. the, the idea of a huge merchandising. Mm-hmm. WWE is one of the most licensed and merchandised companies in the world. And also, WWE, while, while the cons are richer than the McMahons, I don't think the cons have as much money and disposable income to put into AEW as Vince and WWE does, where they WWE has a big, big bank account. Vince and McMahon a- has made three, count them, one, two, three, $1 billion deals in the past five years. Three. Fox, Peacock, and Saudi Arabia. Three. What? <laughs> you gonna call him out of touch? 
No, he doesn't give a fuck what your stupid wrestling. Like, AEW, AEW is a better product. I'll say that. AEW is phenomenal. It's very entertaining. I love it. But it's because it's wrestling. It's But, a, it's, but also, also, AEW is in its infancy. Yeah. What happens in corporations is that Apple, when Apple first came out, and the reason why I bring this up, you know, they had a lot of innovation and they had a lot of growth because they didn't have a corporate structure. WWE is a corporate menstruosity. It is corporation to the T. AEW is not corporation to the T. There's red tape, but there's not as much of it. So what winds up happening, and in three or four or five years from now, AEWs, if they survive that long, and that's a really good question because, well, markets are changing, entertainment is changing, you know, and it gets complicated, is that in five years from now, AEW is going to be in a very similar position where they are going to have corporate structures in place. Look, they have, what, another show now on Friday night, yeah. and guess what? When you start building out your developmental territory, when you start building out certain things, great, you have corporate structures in place. The creativity gets challenged and gets messed up when you have corporate structures. That doesn't mean the creativity on your deals gets gets messed up and signing big deals. That's not what creativity is. But that's why WWE has some weird stories. AEW has phenomenal stories because they're in their corporate innovation mode and their honeymoon mode. Mm-hmm. Come five years from that, they're going to be in a similar place where WWE is. Yeah, when they, when, they, when they went out of dream matches. And let's not forget, tomorrow, tomorrow is the first day of Q4 in 2021. Um, AEW has been around for almost, almost two, and a half, two and a half years, two years and changed. And almost three. Almost three. Point. They have not turned a profit. Which, which isn't unheard of, right? New companies typically take three, three to five years to turn a profit. So it's not unheard of. But keep that in perspective. Like, they're just blowing money to make a great product. They will turn a profit eventually. But WWE, all they do is make money. All they do is make money. So Vince McMahon's not out of touch. He's just a step ahead because he just he sees the writing on the wall. He's just like, I'm just going to make as much money as I can because he's really, really good at it. He's always been really, really good at it. Yeah, the wrestling suffers. But like you said, it's not a wrestling show. It's Disneyland. You, you, okay, who sold the most merch at WrestleMania? Oh, this year? Yeah, this year. Who sold the most merch? Oh, that's a great question. Probably Roman. Nope. Was it the Was it the Fiend? Bad Bunny. Oh, fuck, you're right. It was and honestly, Bad Bunny did a incredible I forgot he was on the card, not going to lie, but he did an amazing <laughs> job. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself for not. Like honestly, I didn't know who Bad Bunny was. No idea who he was. No either. It's I, great. I, I, I had no didn't idea know who he was. was honestly, I listened to a lot of Bad Bunny. Because I love that I love Latin music. I love that Latin pop music and Spanish songs and salsa music. Like so I, I became thought, a I'm, big fan of Bad Bunny. I thought it was the stupidest idea when I saw it. And I'm like, yeah. oh man, he could do some great shit in the ring. Holy shit. Yeah. Like I mean, I was like, I I was just like I wasn't a huge fan because I was like, okay, who is this small little guy with silly bunny ears for hair? But then I was just like, okay, like, okay, Will, it's a business, see how much money they brought in, kids adore this guy internationally this guy is a megastar like the highest earning artist today so it was better than SummerSlam because Cardi B was supposed to be at SummerSlam where they were advertising and then she didn't show the fuck up and I'm like what the hell she got pregnant that's why 
but 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 I mean WWE must have been furious. And also, I didn't think Cardi B was was the right move. I, for I, I, I agree. I agree. I was. I, I, fuck I, Cardi I think. <laughs> I think. I think. I think there's better people that could have been put into that. And I think it would have been way smarter. I think they should have brought The Rock back. Well, he you know, he'll I be think, back next year because uh, he'll be back at Survivor Series. It's 25 years of The Rock. And but my point, my point is that you know, I think I think there could have been better positions on that. Yeah. But anyhow, I, I, I digress. My point is that you know, Bad Bunny brought in a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, my sister and her husband never watched WrestleMania, and Bad Bunny was on that card, and they watched. They watched. So they're not wrestling fans. They're like, oh man, we love the Miz. We love John Morrison, Bad Bunny, and Damian Priest. It was great. But you know who bought a lot of that merch? Not wrestling fans. Yeah. Bad Bunny made a fucking killing. He probably made more money from the merch than what WWE paid him. In fact, he might have done it for free because he might have pulled the weekend move on it, saying the publicity here is worth way more than anything else. Yeah, after his match on WrestleMania, they had, oh, yeah, by the way, here's his, here's his tour. Here's his tour dates and locations, tickets available. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the weekend at the Super Bowl paid another seven million dollars. Everybody knows who the weekend is in America now. Yeah, everybody knows. I didn't know who the weekend was. I didn't really care who the weekend was. But I'm like, I'm gonna go check out what his music is. I wish I didn't know who the weekend was. Not a huge fan. But 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 my, 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 <laughs> point, point, my point, point point is exposure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, WWE. It, WWE. That's why Vince McMahon's not out of touch. He is just he's three steps ahead. So I'm very I'm very glad we see eye to eye on that. So I'm very glad you're not a wrestling mark or you're might be a mark, but you're not like a you know you're not a, you're not the bad kind of mark. No, um, I didn't watch Extreme Rules, but, but but I had a good reason. I was behind in writing interviews and I just couldn't do it. Don't it's don't it, watch it. It's it, terrible. It, no, 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 I'm not going to go watch it now. I mean, I mean, I watch, I don't know what the next one is, Night of Champions or Survivor Series. Next one you know. is Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, October 21st. Well, maybe I'll watch it if I'm not working. It's a Thursday. I believe it's the end of the 21st. It's a Thursday. I check my calendar. Uh, October- but my point, my point, my point is that, you know, sometimes you miss wrestling. Yeah, but that does, I, I, Extreme Rules, from my understanding, was a rough, rough pay-per-view. But yeah. I don't really care because, again, that company is making me money and they pay my dividend every single quarter. So I don't really care. Smart investment. I'm very, I'm very bullish on uh, WWE as a company. Right, let's move I want to buy let's, more. Let's move to comics. Um, DC or Marvel? What do you prefer? Oh, man, I'm, I'm a DC guy. I really am. Okay. Favorite comic of all time? I'm a Teen Titans guy. Teen Titans? I mean, it's, really? Jeff, okay. Jeff Johns is a run on them, which was uh, 2003 to 2009, I want to say. Any particular issue? Like any number? Your favorite, like, favorite actual issue? Oh, um, I read it in graphic novel format. So I liked with the first five issues. Also, Michael Turner did the covers for him. And uh, Michael Turner... He unfortunately passed away, and he's just a phenomenal artist um, and uh, brilliant, absolutely just amazing, amazing covers. And I spent good money on, on some of his covers for Teen Titans um, because they're personal and they're, they're, they're phenomenal. And I went out and got the variants of them. I mean, I mean, it was maybe like 15 bucks for a regular issue that he did, which is pricey. All right. Uh, favorite superhero? Ah, uh, Green Lantern. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, stupidest villain. Oh, stupidest villain. Yeah, the dumbest villain out there. Like, say Polka Dot Man, I dare you. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
you know it, 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 it's weird like ah i mean bizarro is is, is not a smart villain but but i like bizarro um <laughs> this is this is hard you know you you, you know what it is it, it's ah this this is I don't know. I don't know. This, this is, this is, this is like, oh, this is tough. I'm, I'm actually out of ideas on this one. I'm surprised I wrote this question down. I was like, okay, I don't want to ask. I don't want to ask a favorite villain. That's just too cliche because obviously it's a Joker. But I was okay. The dumbest villain. Who's the dumbest villain out there? I, I, I do idea. have a favorite villain, and it's not the Joker. I'm a Deathstroke guy. Hmm. So, so, so Slade Wilson Deathstroke is is great. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy him. Um, ah, oh, I, I can't think of a dumb villain. Like I can think of villains that annoy the shit out of me, but, 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 but yeah, it, 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 it's, I don't know who, who, who's a dumb villain because I read a lot of Batman comics. I read a lot of Teen Titans comics. Batman has like, great villains. Batman does that, really That's the villains. problem. Superman, yeah. to some degree, has great villains, but those villains don't speak. I mean, Doomsday and Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is a smart motherfucker. It's like you put Vince McMahon and Lex Luthor in, in a conversation. They want to create a wrestling company. You're good yeah. for life. You're good. Like Brainiac. You can't say anything bad about Brainiac. He's a brain-iac. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I, I read all the good stuff. I mean, I guess Reverse Flash is just stupid to me. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, the, the name says it all. The name says I mean, it I mean, all. I mean, you really couldn't think of anything better. I mean, Captain Boomerang is a hell of a lot better. And then it's like, you know, it, which is the only other Flash villain I know. But Reverse Flash, like, I, I don't get Reverse Flash. I would say Dr. Light, too, but Dr. Light is so smart scary how smart dr light is i know like i I mentioned all these superheroes that nobody knows about or villains that nobody knows about it's terrible that's hey man that's why you're that's why you're a nerd it's all good um best written character oh best written character um definitely batman i think i think batman has has, has, batman Batman. and then New new characters in the last like three years. I think Jessica Cruz has been written really well. She is the new female Green Lantern. Okay. So I think she's been written extremely well. Uh, you prefer the comics or the movies? With DC comics or the animation movies? Oh, I'm gonna say live action. Yeah, yeah, the comics. comics. <laughs> by far, by far. I mean, I mean, Batman vs Superman and Justice League. Just, oh. well, I, I was including Marvel in there as well. Marvel, Marvel is too, too, too happy. It's too optimistic for me. Okay. I mean, but but then again, but then again, the Christopher Nolan trilogy, phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, some of some of the best stuff. I was on a podcast, another show, and I made the argument that without that, I mean, that trilogy has set up so many live actions and has transformed comics and has changed Hollywood's perspective of what a comic book movie can be. Yeah. An Oscar winner at that. It can be an Oscar winner. It it can yes. it can be it can be included in the polite society or the elite society of Hollywood. Also, I think I think it made it cool. To yeah. say, hey, I like Batman. That too. I, you like Batman? I like Batman. This is awesome, man. Let's go grab a beer. I mean, don't get like, me wrong. Like, uh, X-Men, the first X-Men came out in 2000. Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire came out in 2002. And then they were off. And Blade came out in the 90s, which was really the first comic book movie. Um, that's off to the races. But, yeah, I would say, like, uh, 
Dark Knight really was just like the turn for superhero movies because then I think the same year, like the next year, Iron Man 1 came out and there was this game over. Then there you go. Yeah, and then, and then, and then I mean, the, the X-Men movies though, I think X2. X2 is the greatest X- superhero movie of all time. I'll still say that. So X2 had Stryker in it, right? Yep, Stryker, and it was the uh, at the dam. Because cause that was the most interesting, and, and I think if that's revisited, and what people don't understand is that that was dealing with a lot of civil rights, and the X-Men are some of the most interesting characters because it is a civil rights comic. Exactly. Um, and, and, I mean, the Civil War, Mutant Island with the X-Men, where they basically say, fuck this, we're going to go build an island with Deadpool, and we don't have to deal with any of you ever again because you guys, and we don't want to be part of this. And you guys haven't liked us at all, and you're not liking us, and you're coming after us, and civil rights written all over it. Brilliant, brilliant X-Men stuff. I don't know how they came up with it, but civil rights is a big thing. And uh, somebody with a disability, you know, physical disability, I mean, I see it miles away. All right, give me a favorite writer and illustrator. Uh, favorite writer, uh, Chuck Dixon. And uh, illustrator, illustrator. <laughs> Do cover artists count? Sure, yeah. Um, right now I am really big on Sun Kumanaki and Keith Garvey. Okay. All right. Last question. Next superhero you want to see on the big screen or TV screen, one or the other. Um, I want to see Poison Ivy and oh, Harley Quinn. Yes. Well, we have Harley Quinn. We have the, uh, Birds of Prey. I, I, I want to see a Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy movie. Yeah. Oh, po- Poison Ivy's, that's good. That's good. Poison Ivy would be great. Okay, who would you want to play Poison Ivy? Who would be a good Poison Ivy? Who's a good ginger, ginger actress? I could think. I think of somebody, but they're not a actress the way they're supposed to be. Oh, who would be a good Poison Ivy? You know, what? I'm gonna shelf that one. I'm gonna shelf that one. That's, that's I have that's somebody in my mind. If I was directing it, I know exactly who I would right, cast. Who, who? Who you got? Who you got? Lauren Phillips. Who is Lauren Phillips? She's sort of a porn star model for uh, FHM. I want to Google this chick. Lauren Phillips. Let's go to images. Make sure it's an appropriate image. No, it is. It is. You know, yeah. You know what? You are correct. <laughs> yeah, is, that is a great choice. I don't know if she can act, but she looks the part. That's for damn sure. I, 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 I think, I think she, she can do it, and uh, she, she, she's got the, 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 a lot of the right things in the right places, and uh, I, I think uh, if, if I have my say in, in DC, because uh, I do own enough, I don't own enough AT and T stock yet, but uh, if I was running that entire thing, uh, that Discovery deal would be canceled. Mm. Mm. All right. I think we can end on there. Andrew, I want to thank you so much. Any, before we go, do you have any questions for me? Anything you want to ask me, know about me? Anything else you want to say before we wrap up and do our plugs? What's the meaning of life? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, the, meaning of, the meaning of life is to say whatever you want on a microphone for the internet all to hear. There. How's that? Did I do good? It works for me. It works right, for me. It. Andrew, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think we were going to go an hour and 45 American minutes, but lo and behold, we did. I had a great time talking to you. I learned so much about investing comic books, and I really, really did enjoy it for the last like 45 minutes. It's shooting a shit on pop culture. I hope you had a good, good of a time as I did. 
Oh yeah, I loved it. I got no problem. Uh, pretty much that was all yours, pretty much. Uh, where can they find you on social media? Anything you want to plug? Your podcast, what you got going on, man? The floor is yours. Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty accessible. Uh, obviously, popanimecomics.com. I got an article that'll be up, and I'm going to have a few more articles up there talking about military comics and other comics, maybe some anime. Uh, check me out there for some writing. Usually, my articles are about 500 to 800 words, so it's a quick read. Um, Pop Anime Comics Lounge can be accessed on my website. Uh, my Twitter is at Pop Anime Comics. My Facebook page is Pop Anime Comics. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, November 1st, I'm launching a Kickstarter and uh, I'm super excited for it. And uh, got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Got a really some fun stuff coming with that. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be successful at it or not, but uh, funding season three of the show and I go four times a night, usually Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 7 and 9 p.m. on Facebook Live and uh, hopefully Pop Anime Comics Lounge is going to be coming back in January. I got about 40 episodes I got to edit. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun stuff. And uh, I do a lot of cool stuff. And uh, typically anything that's Pop Anime Comics is mine unless I owe you money. And if that's the case, I am going to quietly walk away as if I broke something in a store. And hopefully you will walk away with me so we both don't get in trouble. All right. Well, fingers crossed, man. I I wish you the best of luck. For your new podcast, I'm gonna be a lookout for it. I'm gonna check it out. And if you guys want to check all of my shenanigans out, my name is Will Tarish. I got T's and Thomas A R A S H U K. All of my things, including this podcast, can be found at over at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, where all of my podcasts can be found. If you like our wrestling conversation and want to hear more of my wrestling digest, um, go to Kings of the Rings podcast or anywhere podcasts can be found, including APS.com. Um, this has been talking with Tarashek. The other podcast is the Ambiguous Podcast Solution, where I sit down or Jared Laverne sits down or other people sit down with other podcasts to find out about their podcast, what they do, why they do it, and how they do it. Um, if you want to be a guest, if you have a podcast, want to be a guest on that podcast, feel free to reach out to me personally at will at APSpodcast. That's A-P-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com to find more. Or if you're interested in being a guest on Talking with Tarashek, reach out to that same email telling me who you are, what you do, and why you want to be a guest. I'd be happy to talk to you. Who knows? We might go three hours. Count them. One, two, three of them. But until then, I am Will Tarashek. That is Andrew Davis. I just kicked my camera, so that means it's time to go. We'll be back next time. But until then, you all stay classy. I got to thank the outro. It's okay.